You're listening to the Weekly Perplex. God help you. Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Perplex, a magazine podcast covering a whole plethora of subjects that, for argument's sake, we're going to say that you'll love. We thought we'd actually try to please our audience this week, so sit back, sunbathe, wash the dishes, potter in the garden, or just relax in a lovely warm bath. Whatever you do when you listen to the radio, Enjoy the show. A slight disclaimer, this show may require somewhat more concentration than a TikTok video. However, we have helpfully set up a hotline for any critics that we may have. You simply dial a 9, then a further 9, and finally, a 9. Ask for an ambulance, because you will need one. A further disclaimer, the former disclaimer was a joke disclaimer. However, this, the current disclaimer, is a real disclaimer. This one being the one informing the listener of the joke contained within the aforementioned disclaimer. And now it's time for our TWP News exclusive with special reporter Barnaby Jago. Clapping for our carers. Dreamt up by a Dutch woman in March, it drew attention on social media after it was retweeted by full-time carer for David Beckham, Victoria Beckham. Officially, for two whole months, two minutes a week, and an astounding 22 minutes in total, the great British public have toiled to express their gratitudes to the NHS. A service valiantly fighting to save lives after a decade of cuts made by some people. Most enjoy the basic gesture of simply clapping, but some individuals feel their displays of gratitudes must be more prominent, more bold, more better. For it's not just the NHS at stake. It's ensuring you look like you're making more of an effort than everyone else. And everyone else seeing that. There are some of these fervorously grateful individuals who took the contest of being better too far, and through a succession of events, something that should have been a simple activity became a dramatic, destructive catastrophe. We have painstakingly documented these particular stories, bringing them to you every week. Welcome to A Clap Too Far. This story comes from Jim Walker in Bolsover, former Labour voter who switched political sides this election. We interviewed Jim about his explosive experience. Well, it all started with the clapping on the Thursday, you know, to support the NHS like. Those nurses and doctors are risking their lives to save people like me, and clapping gives a nice feeling of helping them back. Anyway, I decided instead of smashing my hands together repeatedly, I'd bang a pot and pan together instead. The thinking was, by being louder than everyone else, the NHS staff would know that I was pushing the boat out that little bit further to help. 
Jim then explained how the attritional battle with his neighbour called Paul or Barry began. Across the road, uh, I think his name's Paul or Barry or, or something. Anyway, he turns out to have the same sort of idea, you know, so he's there with his saucepan, banging away at it with whatever you call one of them grinder things with pepper in them. Our eyes sort of met and I, I think we both realised there was an air of competition brewing as we started slamming our instruments together as hard as humanly possible. This went on for, I'd say, about 30 minutes. The confrontation only ended when Paul or Barry's pepper grinder suddenly smashed into pieces. I suppose it was wear and tear, you know, not its intended use like. That, that was the, the first time we broke eye contact, actually. Next week, things escalated. Barry was now armed with a new weapon. He were ringing it out, making what could only be described as a very successfully invasive noise. I thought to myself, it's time to put the kitchenware down and improvise. I needed to outdo this latest move of Paul's to show appreciation for our crumbling National Health Service. So I went over to my car, kicked it and set the car alarm off. Drowned out everything that did. I could see his face. Not happy. Looked like a livid town mayor with that bell in his hands. A week later, with disaster looming, the battle enters its final phase. Find out what happens later on in this podcast. Quote of the week. Even a hot, solid ten will still block a toilet. Stay humble. And if you want to avoid this, stay hydrated. Sexy, new, social, trends. It's time now for Social Trends, because you love social trends, don't you? Hey there, podcasters. It's me, Riley G. And me, Caden Parks. First off, I just want to say a big hello to all my Patreon subscribers. And to my OnlyFans. We're two big Instagram influencers. And we've collaborated together to bring to you all sorts of discussions on social media related content. Welcome back to our lockdown series where we've been asking one very simple question. That's right, right. They may have held power over millions of people, but which genocidal dictator would have ruled the socials? Last week, we had Saddam Hussein. So much sand, not enough beaches. But this week, it's Europe, and we're going back in time even further. You could say even fewer. He had apple strudel, he had panzer divisions, he had big ideas. Hitler! Okay, let's dive straight into it. You want to invade the socials? You need four. Four! You need four big victories. You need vibe. You need story. You need fashion. And you need friends. 
Let's start with fashion. Fashion! Well, Kay, he's already looking super dapper. Him and the Nazis have the 1940s equivalent of Hugo Boss, which is Hugo Boss. What is not to like, Rai? Say what you like about those guys. Those uniforms are slimming, stylish, and sexy. You see a Nazi on the dance floor? They stand out. Too right. You've got grey and black uniforms, leather boots and coats, and lugers in shiny holsters. I'm getting BDSM cowboys. Well, it's a strong start for Hitty. Are we in agreement that this is a victory in fashion for him and his Germany? <laughs> yes. Honestly, can I just say... I see him up there with Cardi B already. <laughs> oh my god, Kay. Wouldn't they look so cute as a couple? Right on, right. I totally ship them. Now, let's see how he rates with his vibe. Vibe! Well, I mean, we all know the mainstream hitty. He's commanding armies, shouting, shaking his fists a lot, taking recreational crystal meth, and generally killing most people. Bad boy vibes, for sure. Then you got the other side of him, which is an artist doing cute little paintings. He's great with dogs, and I mean, do you notice in the footage of his speeches how all those body movements are actually a physical theater performance? I mean, he knew miming was such a powerful way of getting his messages across. Right on, right. As much as we all love a bad boy, all people know about is one of the most evil men in history, responsible for the biggest conflict the world has ever seen, and the deaths of hundreds of millions of people. No one talks about these three nice things he did. So, vibe-wise, he's an artist with a mean streak. Him as Jack in Titanic. And he's an animal-loving slash theater kid homicidal fascist. Honestly, get him a selfie with his dog. He's gonna be bringing in the ladies fast. And finally, we gotta remember, he's a motivational speaker. Do it for the gram, do it for the fatherland. Deutschland uber bitches. Riley, I love it. Just like his beloved Germany, Hitler's coming in strong AF right now. That's another victory for the Third Reich. So, it's going well so far for Adolf, but stay tuned for part two of this later on in the podcast. We're going to be looking at his story and his friends. And we will find out if he will become a successful Instagram influencer. Hi there, I'm William, a young conservative and aspiring politician. In my endeavours to become a political figure, I want to learn more about people's differing opinions on aspects of our society. Welcome to Opinions. Joining us today is Olivia Ainsworth, a psychology student at Bath University. We're going to be talking a little bit about mental health in young people. Hi, Olivia. Hi. So, mental health. What is it? Where has it come from? And why? Uh, okay. So, around one in four of us will experience issues with mental health. Uh, that's a quarter of our entire population. 
So it's not uncommon. And yet there's so much stigma surrounding this that people still refuse to get the help they deserve because they're ashamed. Mental illnesses arise when people are... OK, we'll go with that. So can you give us evidence? Evidence? Do you mean an example? OK. Uh, OK. Well, there's one of my best friends, for example. Before he leaves the house, he feels he has to check with his mum how he looks. He's just so anxious about his body image, and this is a form of body dysmorphia. What? Every time? I assume so, yeah. I doubt that. I doubt that. OK, well, obviously, if you're going to take this literally, not every time, but that's not the point. Just this seemingly simple thing caused his mental health to deteriorate so much that he ended up in hospital. This is the reality of mental health. It's that serious. So how can we stop people like your friend? Well... Ensuring good mental well-being comes in three ways. Cheer up, cheer up, cheer up. Well, no. Would a cow get sad? Uh, Well, actually, all animals can suffer from and display signs of depression. But they get on with it, don't they? I'm not sure that that's the... Let me ask you something. A source I've had access to said, if they're sad, get a job. If they're mad, lock them up. Is that a bad system? Right. Well, I don't know who said that, but... A source. But that is exactly the toxic attitude that has led to so much shame, misery and lack of understanding in our society. Mental health still isn't taken seriously. Changes need to be made. Society needs to fight it. And the government needs to do a lot more. I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop you there, Olivia. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry? That's it. Thank you for stopping. Do you have many friends? What? What do you mean? It's just that these views are just classic red flags of someone whose loneliness has led to extreme... I have lots of friends. Thank you for sharing your opinion with us, Olivia. You're listening to TWP News... And these are the headlines. Uh, First, we have some breaking news. It's too late. That's... It's too late. In other stories... Economists are elated after the lockdown was eased this week as the Prime Minister set out his plans to get Britain's toiling again. Levels of toil had reached dangerously low levels last month as the public were far too busy not dying and not spreading disease to realise that capitalism is rather poorly as well. After the embarrassment of early March was rectified when Boris Johnson confused epidemiology for eugenics, there may be further changes in the government advice surrounding face masks. In March, we were told they are largely useless to the general population, or even dangerous in some reports, but apparently now there is a little-known thing called asymptomatic transmission. Little known in Downing Street, at least, as the rest of the world knew about this in February. The government has also stopped comparing the slides of other countries' progress with the coronavirus in its daily briefing, something it had done since day one. Possibly because they were not very useful in the first place. Or it could be that now that the UK has overtaken almost every other country on the chart, it's become slightly less impressive. The government was, however, pleased to announce that the completely unforeseeable epidemic in care homes has dramatically slowed down. 
Given that the care home residents affected are now either safely recovered or safely not in the care home anymore. A combination of Brexit and the pandemic have left Britain's farmers without a migrant workforce, people who are vital to picking the nation's fruit. However, following a plea from Prince Charles asking the army to help, Operation Desert Storm will begin tomorrow. In science news, anosmia is being officially listed as a symptom of COVID-19. Scientists have told Public Health England to wake up and smell the coffee. And if you can't smell the coffee, you may have the virus. And finally, teachers across the country are reportedly delighted to have been promoted from trusted and beloved educators to national heroes. As this week, those lovely germ-ridden flea bags we call children are to be cautiously herded into tiny rooms and kindly asked to not act like children for six hours. There's just enough time for money matters. Yes, money does still matter. And those were the headlines. Don't blame me. Welcome back to part two of A Clap Too Far. After the previous two weeks of attritional rivalry, the battle between Jim and his neighbour, whose name remains undecided, continued to the next week and to its final phase. Next week, Barry was ready, but so was I. I'm no chess player or Cluedo or whatever, but I'd guessed Paul's next move. Come eight o'clock, you could hear the supportive clapping start up, only to be immediately upstaged as a firework shot up from Barry's back garden. It exploded in the sky with, you know, a bang. At that point, I slid open the door of my garage and my answer to his challenge was revealed. An 18th century cannon. I'd loaded it with a blank shot like, so all that was left was to light the fuse. two-century-old cannons that have been bought illegally on the dark web is that I can say it's no IKEA flat pack. With no instructions and the fact I already struggled with the simple assembly of my Cragster coffee table, there was only one way the management of this explosive killing machine was going to go. A popular beginner's mistake with a cannon is to overload the black powder, which, when ignited, can result in too great a pressure on the inside of the barrel, leading to the whole artillery piece exploding in the user's face. This is effectively what happened. Ears ringing and dazed, I stumbled out of what remained of my garage. I looked to my sides, only to see both of my arms conspicuous by their absence. Now I know, you see worse sights in local playgrounds, but it's always best to take precautions and to get an ambulance. Only I couldn't ring one. Before you know it, Barry comes running hey, over. Man. He stopped at a suitably safe social distance of 200 centimetres and looks at the sorry state of me. With a smile growing on his face, he says to me, Fair, Fair play, play, lad. lad. Fair, Fair play. play. We both grinned and he dialed 999. So that were it, really. Off to Ernie, like... Uh, the doctors and nurses there were definitely moved. Although you couldn't see the expression behind their masks, I'm sure there were more than a few smiles and tears to the eyes. They had witnessed first-hand 
what lengths a member of the public would go to to support them and their overburdened and slowly collapsing place of work. There's just one more thing to complete this fairy tale ending. With my arms blown off, it's safe to say I can no longer applaud. But someone else can. Every Thursday, Barry now stands at the end of my drive and claps for me. It was a journey for both of us, and I think we'll be able to look back on this with a smile, knowing that when the NHS was practically on its knees, we both did our bit. Join us next week for another Clap Too Far. I just don't agree it's an absolute Lord of life. But I have something to say. I've got to say what I think. Yes, I don't like you. Listen here. It's not enough. This is what I think. It's time for your thoughts. <sighs> Hello. And welcome to Your Thoughts. This is the part of the show where you phone in to tell me what you think about the news. Because everyone's got an opinion, haven't they, these days? And they just cannot wait to share it with everyone. I'm your host, Levi Viridi, and you can kind of think of me as a local radio Piers Morgan. Except nobody gives a shit what I think, and I've got a smaller face. Anyway, there's been something that's dominating the news quite a lot at the moment, isn't there? Um, what's that again? It's the, it's the coronavirus! Yeah, of course, yeah. So, if you, if you can do me a favour and not talk about that for a change, that would be great. If not, eh, what am I going to do? It's not about me, is it? It's about you and your thoughts. Oh, tell you what, first on the line, we've got Dave from Blackburn. And he is a staunch Brexiteer. Former listeners will have known him from the past and you couldn't get the guy to shut up about Brexit. So it'll be quite interesting to hear, now he's got his own way, what he has to say. You're right there, Dave. Ah, yeah. Right. At the end of the day, I'll accept the result of Corona. Now, you know me. As a passionate vote leaver, I've always thought it's very important to remain truthful and clear. Okay. This is where I'll hold my hands up and happily be the first to admit I'm not from China. But those lads haven't had any democracy in so long, the fact they voted Corona needs to be respected. Now, I don't think I would have voted Corona myself, but at the end of the day, Corona is what we've got. And we've got to knuckle down, accept the result and make it work. I've said all I have to say. I think I'll leave that one with you. OK. Uh, thanks for that, Dave. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that's how it happened, but then the sentiment is a fair one. Right, next on the line, we've got Dion from Manchester. How are you doing, Dion? I'm good, thanks, Levi. So the thing I don't get is this woke movement I keep hearing about. I just, I don't get it at all. Oh, right. Yeah, well, the thing is, my mate, right, he is mad addicted to speed, hasn't slept in, like, a week, and if anything, he's actually a bit of a racist. I think I'm just going to leave that there, Dion. OK, next we've got Andy, and he's calling from Bury St Edmunds. Hi, Andy. Hi, uh, how, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? 
Yeah, yeah, good, good, man. Yeah, okay. Um, so I, I don't know if you watch sport much, but you'll notice. Well, uh, there is none, um, which is fine. But I, I mean, I really enjoy it. It's a really important thing to me. So really, it's actually quite sad. Right. Yeah. I suppose that is quite sad. So yeah, but I've been thinking. One of the bad things about there being no sport is that there is no sport. But one of the good things there being no sport is that um, you know they can think about maybe when this is over, how they can you know redo it. Redo it? You mean sort of rework? Yeah, you know, like I've been thinking really new ideas for formats of sport. Like I've watched sport for years and years and years. And when I was younger, touring cars, car racing, you know, you had a Mini versus a Ford Mustang, uh, David versus Goliath, yeah? Okay, I don't actually think that was a sport. It's in the Bible, for heaven's sake! So hang on. So, with MMA, uh, call me mad, but watching two evenly weighted fighters batter each other is so boring. It's almost like watching one man just fight himself. Sure. What I'm saying, what I want to see, is man versus beasts. Like lions, tigers, dogs, uh, puppies, bears, kittens. Put them all in the ring. A purist melee. Andy. Humans have to fashion their weapons and quickly out of items. Sticks, rocks, uh, uh, puppies, kittens. And quickly. Oh, that sounds quite awful. Then we have man versus machine. Conor McGregor versus a T-72 tank manned by monkeys. Uh, Andy, are you are you still there? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was just I was just thinking there. That's all. Okay. Is that um, is that everything you had to say? Yeah. Uh, for now, uh, my my therapist says it's good for me to think up sports ideas. So um, I'll keep thinking. I, I'll be in touch. Right. Well, I mean, of course, we'll try and. Yeah. I'll I'll be in touch. I'll be in touch. <laughs> <sighs> Jesus. Okay, uh, okay, this is Ethel from Cornwall. Oh, it's awful, isn't it, Levi, this virus business? <sighs> How astutely put, Ethel. You know, I've heard lots of stuff in the papers, bad-mouthing celebrities for complaining. The other day, though, I saw a lovely little thing somebody posted to the WhatsApp group chat. We might not all be in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. I just thought, what a lovely thought. Look, we are all in the same storm, Ethel. But if the guy weathering a hurricane in a kayak is pissed off that the guy in the cruise liner won't let him on board, I think that's perfectly justified. What's a kayak? In a hurricane? Fucking useless, Ethel. Okay, there's there's time for just one more caller, um, and the line is pretty bad on this one. But uh, he's tried to get on so many times, and I feel bad just cutting him off every week. So bear with us. This is Jason from Liverpool. How you doing, mate? All right, there, level at. Yeah, this fucking virus is a load of shite. Me hair looks like a fucking prosy's pube nest, and I'm fucking sick of having to queue for lager at the spa. Yesterday, and I'm fucking sick of it. Oh, I know what you mean, mate. It's starting to grate on me as well. 
Yeah, well, it, it's the same. Well, like, you know, fucking 5G, isn't it? Like, you know, flying off fucking inside. Well, I'll tell you what, lad. I'm stood on top of me local mast and I've fucking had enough. You ain't gonna fry my fucking brains, lad. Fuck you, fucking c- well, I think we've lost Jason there on many levels, but um, it seems quite an apt way to end the show. So, yeah, thanks for your time. Uh, make sure you phone in if you have thoughts and oh sorry yeah if you or anyone you know has been affected by the issues raised in the show then please give us a ring because uh, it does make for great radio hello 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 frank is that you I just don't like him, you know. Who, Frank? Uh, Corbin. I just don't like him. Something about him, I... I just don't like. Frank, Corbin resigned. Keir Starmer's the leader now. And besides which, we blocked you weeks ago. I still don't like him. He lost the election. Keir Starmer is the leader now. Oh? Yeah. And who's he then? He's a barrister, Frank. He's part of the Queen's Council. He's a Knight Commander of the Order of Bath. Sir Keir Starmer was sworn into the Privy Council, I don't know, three years ago, as the Brexit Secretary. He's the elected leader of the opposition, Frank. Oh. Corbyn is gone. Oh. Keir Starmer is in charge now. Well. Yeah. I don't think I like the sound of that. Goodbye, Frank. Heartwarming stories. Hello again. This week's heartwarming story is from Katie in Somerset, lovingly read by me, Charles Thompson. A few days ago, Katie was relaxing in her chair with a cup of tea, about to have a nice read of her book. She glanced out of her window, only to see her 85-year-old neighbour Gladys, who was standing quite still in her garden next door. The old hag's eyes were fixated on the sky and she had a worried expression on her face. Calm down, Gladys. The Luftwaffe aren't coming back to bomb you. Katie, being the nosy cow she was, went next door to find out if her neighbour had turned senile. When she arrived at the scene, Gladys turned to her and began to explain what was going on. Oh, that's good. She still had her brain then. Gladys 
gestured up into the tree in front of her, where a small tabby cat could be made out. Yes, that's right. Gladys's fucking cat had got stuck up a tree. Gladys didn't know what to do, as back in the day she had loved climbing. But that was back in the 1940s, when her joints weren't made out of dust. On the other hand, Katie was afraid of heights. Oh, poor Katie. But she cared for this little old woman and this stupid cat. The cat's name, which is included here for no benefit of the story, is Benedict. Katie knew she had to act. She didn't have a ladder, so using all her initiative, she fetched Gladys's wheelie bin and placed it against the tree, making sure, and I quote this directly, that it was properly level and stable. Katie then slowly and carefully climbed up onto the bin. Gladys was worried, shut up Gladys, as Katie reached out to grab Benedict, who she says was meowing in distress. Teetering on the edge of a well-balanced wheelie bin, Katie managed to get hold of the little shit by the scruff of his neck, and then slowly, but surely, she lowered herself back down to the ground. Gladys was so relieved, and so was Katie. Great! Katie looked back up at the really tall tree and realised something. To save this little creature, she had defeated her fear of heights. Oh, well done, Katie. Would you like a medal? What a saint. Oh, you've really changed the world now. Instead of a medal, Gladys offered her a cup of tea, which, given the circumstances, was the highest sensible reward for what was such a trivial five-minute task. Thanks for that story, Katie. That's the end. Hope to see you next week. Goodbye. Hey guys, welcome back. It's time for the rest of our lockdown series episode, Which Genocidal Dictator Would Have Ruled the Socials? Hitler's currently won two out of four of the victories he needs to become a successful Instagram influencer. He's got great fashion, he's got a strong vibe. Now let's move on to his story. Story. Alrighty, so we all know if you want to be popular, you gotta be an interesting person with lots of cool content to make everyone wish they could be just like you. That's where your story comes in. We're not just talking story like your life. We're talking Instagram stories. We're going to be covering Hitler and his war. Now, if you want to know more of his story pre-war, check out his bio, Mein Kampf. I got mine off Audible. It's a great read. Okay, honestly, if there's one thing that really stands out as Instagram content gold, it's that Hitler and Germany loved visiting other countries. Visit Germany before Germany visits you. 
In the first year of the war, the Nazis have invaded France, Norway, Belgium, Holland, Luxembourg, Denmark, and Poland. Hashtag spontaneous road trip. Soon after, Hitler and his troops are in the Mediterranean and Eastern Europe. Okay, it's as simple as this. Hitler is a travel blogger. And not gonna lie, these are big on Insta. Everyone loves to see pictures of people in front of famous places, even if they can just Google them. Everyone loves to see posers on their life-changing experiences funded exclusively by their parents. And everyone will love to see cute pics of the Fuhrer leading his generals hand-in-hand hand, like in those Jet 2 adverts. He is gonna steal the socials, right? Which means this is another triumph for Hitler and the home of Heinz Baked Beans. Finally, we're moving on to the thing that everybody needs. Friends. Okay, just like the TV series, he's got his friendship circle. First off, the fascist leader of Italy, Benito Mussolini. Not always sure what to do. It's like, what's going on, man? One day you guys are on their side, the next day it's our side. Like... Total Flake, Total Phoebe. Then he's got his man, Hirohito, Emperor of the Empire of Japan. Cute movie nights in, eating ice cream, watching anime. He never gave up, just like Ross. Ross never gave up on Rachel. Two nukes! Two nukes, Fry! That's what it would take for Ross to give up on Rachel! Hermann Goering, commander of the Luftwaffe. <laughs> the guy's basically a child. Definite Joey. Heinrich Himmler, Hitler's secretary. But more importantly, bestie, friendship goals, Chandler. Okay, he's got his amigos. That's definitely a fourth and final victory for Hitler. That makes him a successful Instagram take his place next to Cardi B, Ed Sheeran, and all the greats. One thing we didn't mention, Kay, his frenemy, Joe Stalin. <laughs> Total bitch. We've all got one, but pay attention. This is a perfect example of what happens when you don't keep tabs on your frenemies. At first, they were great buddies. They made a pact. But underneath, him and Stalin always knew they had their differences. Hitler says, let's share Poland. I'ma do my thing, you do your thing, no cap, no shade. Then two years later, Hitler's being all distant, and secretly, he's got his panzers lined up on the border with the USSR. Stalin's like, why are you leaving me on red, Adolf? I totally see you're being a low-key salty bitch. What is up with you? Then comes the invasion of the Soviet Union. <laughs> Stalin's like, whoa! I feel personally attacked. Bring it on, MF. Bring it on like Britney, bitch. And four years later, he's pushed Hitler all the way back to Berlin. Hitty's like, see you later, haters. I'm out of this. And he rage quits. So, if there's one thing you can take away from this, 
You want to stay popular on the socials? Stay fashionable. Keep your daily vibe check. Be amazing. Keep your friends close and check, check on, on your, your frenemies. Because, because you'll never, never know when, when they'll, they'll send, send the Red, red army, army into, into your, your home. home. Thanks and goodbye. Join us too next week for more social and trends. Right. We rule the socials, right? Duh. We're huge Instagram influencers, Kay. But what if the socials ruled us? Hello. Welcome to The Quiz. This week's edition of The Quiz has five new quiz questions. Answer them correctly and get the answers next week to find out if you have won The Quiz. Here are the questions. Question one. What is my favourite colour? Question two. At what age do you become irrelevant? Question three. How many Toby Jags can you fit into a Ford Cortina? Question four. This refers to question three. Why are you going to do that? Question five. Papua New Guinea or Papa Don't Preach? Those are this week's questions. These are last week's answers. No Way, A Lemon, Stephen Merchant, Nine Cream Eggs, and Kick the Child in the Face. That's Kick the Child in the Face. Congratulations to the winners of last week's quiz who have won. Thank you very much and please join us next time for the answers to this round and for another quiz. Finally, it's the end of the show. But not before we play a song by this week's budding artist. We like to support those trying to climb the ladder of fame with their talent. And our budding performing artist this week goes by the name of Ellie Pink Glitter. She was also the only entry. This is her song, Inaudible Thoughts, parenthesis, Thoughts. And lastly, a word from the writers. All right. Yeah, nice one. Uh, see you. Broken body, baby